British Business Bank have just, just recently released some research which shows that in the world of, of venture capital, all female founder teams are receiving just 2%. And I'm going to say that again for anybody listening in case you think, no, that can't be right. Yes, I did say 2, 2% is going to all female founder teams. And what is just, you know, awful about that? as that statistic has remained in place for 10 years. So in a decade, that hasn't changed. We urgently need to do something about that. Hi there, I'm Bruce Harvey, and I'm a partner in the corporate team at CMS Scotland. And in today's episode, I'm talking to Carolyn Curry. Carolyn is the chief executive of Women's Enterprise Scotland, a research-led not-for-profit community interest company, which champions women-led and women-owned businesses. And today we're going to be discussing the importance of promoting policy and best practice to enable women to successfully start up and grow their own businesses. So Carolyn, the inevitable kickoff question from me, tell me about Women's Enterprise Scotland. Well, as you said, we're a not-for-profit community interest company. So all our activities are centered on our community of women. That means our support's open to all women, because at any point in time, a woman could have a business idea or could simply be interested in the possibility of starting up a business. Our membership's free. You don't have to have started up a business to join. You know, many women actually consider an idea or the possibility of starting up a business for years before they take any formal action to, to start up. We operate under two brands. So the Women's Business Centre is our digital platform and that has help and support for, for women who are considering starting up a business or taking the step to start up and also those who are establishing and growing their businesses. And that platform can be found at womensbusinesscentre.com and the membership there you can register um, at no cost. And as well as delivering that knowledge, insight and practical support, for women leading businesses, we also undertake research. So we lobby government on providing the support women need to realise their business aspirations and to lead impactful businesses in Scotland. That's fantastic. Um, and I guess looking at Women's Enterprise Scotland itself and, and your role, how did the organisation um, come about? Um, could you tell us a bit about its background and I, I guess sort of what you see as the overall mission? Yeah, well, it's been an interesting evolution because originally Women's Enterprise Scotland was established to connect with the focus on lobbying the UK government for better support for, for women-led businesses. There was just some great work happening um, at Westminster at that point in time. And we wanted to capitalise on that and bring that focus and insight to Scotland and connect it all up. However, it took, yeah, it took a couple of years to set up Women's Enterprise <laughs> Scotland and you know, quite a number of people said to us that it couldn't be done, that, that people had tried before and it wouldn't be easy. And that was probably quite a fair assessment. But I do think, you know, when you find yourself in those circumstances, that, that sort of landscape can actually make you more determined. Yeah. So, you know, we clearly did set up Women's Enterprise <laughs> Scotland, yeah. although... In the time that it took us to set up WES, as Women's Enterprise Scotland is called, uh, the work at Westminster had actually folded. So that 
you know, led us almost from day one from from not being the organisation that we had envisaged. <laughs> so instead of being a a sort of satellite, if you like, connecting in and leveraging that work at Westminster, we actually became the organisation that was was lobbying government and doing research on on change. So. Yeah, quick, not always expect. Yeah, quick pivot. That's right. Like many businesses that we support. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, indeed, indeed. It's, it's about, um, I guess, being being flexible and adaptable to changing circumstances. Um, as, um, so, uh, in terms of um, how um, Wes has evolved since it was established, um, could you tell us a bit about the journey that you've been on as an organisation? Yeah, I have been quite a journey and again I guess our own evolution and journey kind of mirrors that of a lot of businesses you know what you start up isn't always what you end up in the market you start up with isn't always a market you end up um, really serving with the main bit of your work so for us yes it's it's changed significantly since we were first set up and um, there have been three key phases I'd say in our, our evolution to date so at the very start, we were focused on researching the landscape for women-owned businesses. Uh, that's because just 20% of all businesses in Scotland were majority owned by women. Now, that's a really big gender, uh, uh, sorry, gender gap in participation. Yeah. And we wanted to understand why. Because gender diversity is a key driver of radical step change innovation. So an undiverse business landscape actually restricts our national capacity to innovate. And that then has implications for our competitiveness as a nation. And of course, it's one of the reasons why our productivity is flatlined for years. So with the research that we did, we, we co-founded with the Scottish government what's called the Strategic Framework for Women's Enterprise in Scotland. And that document outlines the key support areas which need to be invested in, in order for women's entrepreneurship to grow and prosper. So for example, access to finance, gender specific support, mentoring, networking, and very importantly, sex disaggregated data on resources that are being made available or yeah. not being made available yeah, yeah. as they pursue their, their, their business aspirations. So that was phase one. Phase two was, was implementing the action plan, which attached to that strategic framework. And I think during that sort of second phase period, there was a constant sense that having the framework in place meant the work was done. And as the role, sorry, as the years sort of rolled past, there was just very little action. And what action was being taken just wasn't being progressed year on year. So, you know, I suppose to give that a bit of context, our research had shown that women-owned businesses were contributing £9 billion into the Scottish economy every single year. So if we doubled the numbers of women-owned businesses from 20% of our business base to 40%, we'd get another £9 billion into our economy every single year. I mean, that's pretty impressive by yeah. any economic standards. But the Scottish government budget allocated to enabling women's entrepreneurship to grow and prosper was 450,000. Now, I mean, yeah. I'm a banker to trade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 450,000 
is not going to leverage an impact of nine billion. Yeah, you don't need to be a banker to know that. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> so then our third phase was really to become a, a source of delivery ourselves. So to, to demonstrate that when the strategic framework areas were actually resourced and implemented, women-owned businesses would thrive. And that's where we are today. That's the phase that, that's seen us launch the, the Women's Business Centre membership platform with all its support and resources direct for women-owned businesses. And we've continued to evolve that support over the last few years since we started in this phase. Um, so, for example, we've, we've just last week we launched our crowdfunding platform within the Women's Business Centre. And as I'm sitting speaking at the minute, we've got eight businesses who are in the midst of launching their crowdfunding campaigns to raise funds for their businesses and to help us test that platform before we go fully uh, operational in, in 2024. And of course, like I said, you know, access to finance and, and capitalising businesses right from the start is really important if you're going to be able to sustain and grow and realise your, your aspirations. So... Yeah, it's been a bit of a journey, I think it's fair to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, it certainly sounds like there's been a lot of uh, interesting twists and turns along the way. Um, <laughs> I, so moving on to uh, the next question, you've touched on some of the challenges faced by um, women-led and women-owned businesses um, just um, just there. Um, some of them are um, well-known, but potentially not particularly well-documented unless you go looking for it. Um, what do you think are some of the biggest myths that you've heard about um, in your experience of championing um, women entrepreneurship and um, perhaps um, what are some of the business benefits um, to female-led organisations that um, we should all be shouting more about? Yeah, well, I mean, in terms of benefits, it's it's really all about our our productivity and our capacity to innovate, I think, you know, innovation happens where you've got diversity of thought. So, you know, having an undiverse business landscape isn't good for anybody. And, and particularly in this economy where innovation and competitiveness are going to be really important. I think that's one of the key aspects of having a much more diverse business landscape and enabling more women to participate. Um, so that that's really important in terms in terms of the myths, there are really an awful lot. Um, I think one of the biggest is that there's no need to have dedicated support for women. You know, the same support will will work for everybody. I mean, the reality of that is we've we've had the same support. We've had this notion of mainstream business support being gender neutral and being available to everybody. But of course, if you stop to think about that, the whole concept of being gender neutral is you're not set up to, to support any particular group. But of course, that's what's needed in a service. Yeah. Is yeah. that, you know, targeted needs-based support? Um, and of course, we, we, we see that from the results of that um, mainstream business support service, which, you know, works, works for a critical majority. But it doesn't work for everybody. You know, over the years, women still have remained 20% of the business base. So we see more women starting up in business. We're almost at parity, Business Gateway and the reports tell us, which is great. But that isn't, that is not moving 
that general, you know, one in five or 20%. So we do have a problem and we need to really listen to women's lived experiences of business support, listen to the support they're telling us they need. And, and certainly from an organisational perspective, our research shows women have been asking for gender specific support throughout the 11 years we've existed as an organisation. I mean, that's a really long time yeah. to have no strategic investment um, responding to that that need. So, yeah, that that myth definitely needs to be to be tackled and busted. I think, but it probably relates back to the myth that in twenty twenty three, surely it's already all equal. You know, I think I think a lot of people perceive that in this day and age, surely it's all equal. So, you know, that statistic, that twenty percent of businesses being majority owned by women always really surprises people when we talk about it because yeah. there is a perception I think because we've moved the dial in so many other areas that, that surely we've managed to to bring that change about an enterprise but we just haven't. Yeah, yeah. and um, clearly um, government you've, you've mentioned um, Westminster and the uh, Scottish government already um, have got a big role to play. Um, what I was going to say, do you think that they're doing enough? But perhaps the better question is, what more uh, can they be doing um, to sort of even out the gender gap across businesses as a, as a whole? Um, you maybe touched on some of it already, but do you think there are specific steps that um, that government can be taking? Yeah, there are definitely specific steps that, that, that government could be taking. You know, they have a, a key strategic role to play. I think particularly in those early stage days where people are trying to start up in business you know most businesses lack capital at the, the start up stage to get going so so government really does have to have a support infrastructure in place that helps them access resources access capital and really get started so I mean for example if you look at the support that the, the UK government's delivering there's been a huge focus there on the leveling up agenda Yep. You know, I'd be arguing that at 20% <laughs> enterprise participation, there's a huge levelling up agenda to, to be addressed. Yet, certainly so far, that funding is not making its way into women's entrepreneurship. There is, there is no strategic investment coming in there to enable that levelling up. And, you know, we've, we've talked about the 20% statistic. But when you look at how women's businesses are capitalised, the statistics there are actually bigger beliefs. Um, the British Business Bank have just, just recently released some research which shows that in the world of, of venture capital, all female founder teams are receiving just 2%. And I'm going to say that again for anybody listening in case you think, no, that can't be right. Yes, I did say 2 Two percent. Yeah, it's quite a staggering the amount is going to all female founder teams. And what is just you know awful about that is that statistic has remained in place for ten years. So in a decade, that hasn't changed. Now, I mean, we urgently need to do something about that. We need to have a really strong response to that. We need to. We need to be courageous enough to set up funds specifically for women entrepreneurs so they can access that investment. And then if you look at if you look at government um, in Scotland, well, I mean, we, 
quantified the economic opportunity here at, at nine billion versus a budget of four hundred and fifty thousand. Well, you know, strategic investment I think is needed. They have made a start. There's there's been a a one point three million pound fund that has been released recently to help early stage pre start women owned businesses. You know that's great. But what about the businesses in this economy that are establishing and trying to grow? What about them? Where's the support there for them? So there is much more that needs to be done. We need a, a clearly defined strategy. And part of that absolutely must be the dedicated resources and support that women need to start a business, to establish a business and to grow that business. And, and to bring that diversity of thought and that diversity of, of company formation to our ecosystem so that actually we can all benefit. Innovation can thrive and then our competitiveness as a nation can start ticking up again. Maybe we could even see our productivity going up too. Wouldn't that be good? <laughs> indeed, indeed. Um, and in terms of, uh, I, I guess the the information and the and the data that that's out there um, at, at CMS, we've been discussing how we sort of harness the the huge amounts of data that um, are out there in the in the ecosystem, if you like, and particularly whether artificial intelligence or advances in technology. Um, could help with that or perhaps more likely will help with that. Um, what's your thoughts on that, I guess, both from a perspective of whether um, data is currently being used as best as it can be and, and maybe whether, um, and if so, how advances in AI um, will help both now and in the future? Well, I think data is central to progress. You know, it's that old management adage, isn't it? No data, no focus, no change, basically. Yeah. So the data is 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 central um, to, to to this particular area, like many others. So we're we're certainly not using it to best advantage um, in this particular sphere. But one of the big issues is actually accessing consistent sex disaggregated data, so we can look at women's experiences. We can understand where they're benefiting from resources, where they may not be. And fundamentally, we can target support to, to where it will make the, the biggest impact. So, you know, for example, if we look at the COVID-19 pandemic, you know, as a gender expert or as an expert in the provision of, of gender support, we warned both the, the UK and the Scottish governments of the risk of accelerating inequality by failing to cast a gendered lens over their proposals for economic support. But of course, in a crisis, everybody is keen to respond very quickly. The response was, was rushed out. Um, take account of, of gender and the different roles of men and women in our economy. And the result was that women were disproportionately disadvantaged. Um, we ended up doing our own data analysis. We, we collaborated with a, a data analysis company called MNAI. Part of that AI, artificial intelligence, yeah. they, they pull data from companies' house. We did some gendered analysis. And fundamentally, we showed that in Scotland, uh, women received a disproportionate sum of the COVID-19 business relief grants. So, you know, many women were in, in the sectors 
that were adversely impacted by COVID or the, the worst impacted, if you like. They were often in the businesses that were the first to close and the last to open. Yep. So you consider that they had a really heightened impact from COVID and then they didn't receive their fair share of the business relief grants. So these businesses are currently facing in to the cost of business crisis and the cost of living crisis from a really weakened, a much more vulnerable position. And that's where data can help. It can help tell us where the businesses are in our economy that are being disproportionately disadvantaged, what help and support they might need, and help us to get that support there really quickly. And that's where data generally can help. But artificial intelligence has the capability of really accelerating those insights. Yeah. You know, pre-working with MNEI, it would have taken us ages, months, you know, to, to run that sort of data analysis. And yet it can do it so much more quickly. So in times of economic crisis, we can respond much quicker, much better, with much more impactful policies. But you know, also if you swoop that on its head and say in times of economic upturn, you know, very hopefully we'll be having a dialogue about economic upturn shortly. Yeah. Um, and in those situations as well, we can look at where are the areas of opportunity and we can be targeting businesses and skills and support much more quickly towards those areas than we've been able to in the past. Yeah, and I, I think sort of from my perspective, AI um, allows you to do things quicker. But I guess the um, the next thing is whether it'll lead to change taking place quicker. Um, and I think that's probably something that none of us uh, could definitively say will happen. But it is certainly, uh, I, I think, uh, at least a possibility from uh, the advances in AI and technology generally. Yeah, um, I, I really think so. I mean. It's very hard to affect change if you can't shine a light on the change that's needed. Yep. So I think it enables us to have those debates and discussions that are just critically important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and from a, a WES organisational um, perspective at the moment, um, what else is on your agenda? Obviously, you've talked about the crowdfunding, um, <laughs> which I'm sure has been keeping you busy. Oh, definitely. Yes. I mean, the, the crowdfunding is just really important to us as an organisation, but also to me personally as a banker. You know, access to finance is one of these enduring issues. Women start up businesses undercapitalised. So being able to capitalise businesses from the start has a huge economic potential. So I'm really excited about that and engaging women more in crowdfunding. But that's not something that, that sort of sits on its own, if you like, because actually it isn't just about getting your first tranche of funding into the business, as I'm sure you will know only too well from the businesses you work with. It's about that pipeline of funding and linking up with, with follow-on investment. And, and that's where I've got a real ambition for the crowdfunding platform, is to provide a strategic pipeline of investment for businesses. So we'll be able to use the data from the platform to work with follow-on lenders, so follow-on debt lenders, as well as follow-on equity investors, because the data that we then will have privy to should be able to help us evidence better the underlying value of the business concerned, 
and from an investor and a you know debt lender perspective help them to to do quicker and more powerful due diligence than they've been able to do and you know hopefully that will result in more businesses then coming through into their funding landscapes and starting that sort of end-to-end aspiration of better capitalized businesses so that's absolutely going to be a big focus now and going forward and other areas well i think we are shortly going to start a project that will have um, some staff actually based in local areas in Scotland. And the idea there is to have these enterprise enablers providing a link in local communities to the digital platform support that's available. You know, we've got lots of resources, checklists, webinars, all sorts of content sitting on the platform, including artificial intelligence, I should say. Um, and all different aspects of business startup. But I think having somebody available locally to curate that content for you as an individual business owner and to put some of that into more of a context can be very, very powerful. And also to bring together uh, people locally who are like-minded uh, to form those really important peer support groups. So, you know, we've got thousands of businesses registered on the platform so, you know, there could be people living down the street from each other who've got no idea of their existence. So, yeah. so trying to create that that real local community focus and bring that together um, is definitely something we're going to be focusing on more. And again, I'm really quite um, excited about that. And also forming those local partnerships with the other organisations that are working here to see how the resources we've got can complement the resources and support that they have with their expertise, because businesses don't just need one lot of support, right? You know, they usually yeah. <laughs> usually require lots of different support. Absolutely, yeah, um, yeah, and I think bringing the um, the people side of the of the collaboration along with the digital side is um, is really important because. Um, having people sort of, uh, I guess, say, sitting on a computer when there are people literally down the road, if you can, if you can put, a, put the put the two faces together and, and are actually sort of create a, a personal as well as a digital community, I think that can be really powerful. Yeah, I mean, we've definitely seen that happen. You know, we've had some of the, the webinars as you get into some of the more niche areas. So, for example, e-commerce, you know, Lots of people during COVID, you know, pivoted into to selling online, didn't they? And, and e-commerce, gosh, is a really uh, deep discipline where you need to have really, it's constantly changing all the algorithms, the approaches there. So you really need to keep on top of it. We were sitting on one, e one e-commerce webinar and yeah, two of the, the women on there literally were, were down the street from each other <laughs> wrestling with similar problems and going, oh my word, this is great. <laughs> Just pop, pop outside for a coffee five minutes well, down the road. <laughs> exactly, you know. Um, so, you know, that that's really important. But but equally, I think also where, where you don't perhaps have those, you know, the, the converse applies, where you don't have those people that are really right in your particular niche of, of understanding and expertise, then you are able to connect in via the platform and find that because I think it is that peer support that gives you the confidence that your approach is the right one or gives you the insight and the context to understand 
perhaps strategically where you should be going. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. Um, so we're, we're coming to the end of the podcast and uh, thank you very much for your time, uh, Carolyn. As a, as a final question before I uh, do some wrap up, um, as part of the CMS Equipped Leaders Initiative, we're encouraging everyone to commit to one positive action, big or small, to support underrepresented founders this year. Um, and what positive action um, will you take this year to support the startup community in Scotland and beyond? I mean, you've listed l literally loads already. So um, maybe maybe pick out one in particular. Um, and uh, yeah. Yeah, oh, well, well, mine is absolutely providing a, a new opportunity to access startup capital and capitalise your business from day one. You know, crowdfunding is such a powerful mechanism from our research, we know it's on a, a massive crest and it's going to grow a lot. And the growth is predicted to be for entrepreneurs. Yeah. So I'd say to people, come and, come and check it out. You know, come and check out crowdfunding because it's a brilliant way to capitalise your business, to retain your equity for that, that initial part and to, to evidence your product market fit uh, and to prototype and show the benefits of that to others. So, yeah. Definitely, that startup capital is is going to be my focus. That's what we are committed to providing. Great. Well, uh, thank you uh, to Carolyn uh, for joining me today. Um, if you'd like to find out more about Women's Enterprise Scotland, you can find it at www.wesscotland.co.uk and Women's Business Centre at womensbusinesscentre.com. And if you'd like to hear more about the CMS startup uh, programme Equip or the Lead Hers initiative, then you can go to the startup section of cms.law. But uh, all that remains is for me to say thank you very much, Carrie. Thanks very much. And uh, have a good day, everyone.